shock the system. Welcome to Dank Discussions with your host, Calican CEO, Maynard Breslow. In each episode, you'll learn from the trailblazers, leaders, entrepreneurs, and influencers in the ever-moving, ever-growing cannabis industry. Hey everybody, welcome to Dank Discussions. Today we're joined by Anthony Lee. Anthony is a cannabis media, consumable product entrepreneur over here at Culture and Cannabis, Las Vegas. Thanks for joining us today, Anthony. Thank you so much for having me, man. I really appreciate it. No, it's good. It's nice to be on the show. But yeah, super excited to have you on today. Um, today we're going to be talking about a few things, you know, talking about uh, cannabis law reform, when we talk about you know, content marketing, obviously talking about culture and cannabis and what you guys are doing and talking about entrepreneurship. You know, I'm passionate about it. I know you're very passionate about it. Um, and, uh, and also, you know, talking about events and what you guys have been doing since events uh, have kind of been uh, pushed behind, obviously, with coronavirus. So uh, super excited about all that. Yeah, yeah, dude, it's been, you know, 2020 has been a crazy year, especially for any event marketers, as you know, man, it, it's, um, you know, people have really had to like completely change their business model into us in, in a sense. Uh, so many events have gone online mm -hmm. or like, you know, every major Coachella music festival, right? They're all getting pushed 2021, but you have guys like me who are throwing more thousand to 10,000 person events who are, you're like, well, this is how we make our money. Right. Yeah. So we got to make sure that we can still, still continue to do that. So um, I think this year is a good year to, you know, really show like how good of an entrepreneur you truly are because you have to make those pivots. Right. And, yeah. you know, as you being an entrepreneur yourself, you know, that like, um, you know, punches get thrown, you got to roll with them. Good. I mean, you know, you look at these guys and say what you will about them, right? Good guys, bad guys, this, that, the other thing. You know, guys like Bezos, guys like Musk, guys like Gates, all these dudes have been making more money since Corona and it happened. You know what I mean? And, you know, there's all kinds of things to be said about that as well. But my, my point is that, you know, for us, you know, internally, you know, obviously Corona sucked for everybody, right? Coronavirus, COVID, all this stuff, you know, like you said, it's just like a matter of, holy shit, now what? You know, but um, for us, it's been, you know, uh, business is booming, you know, on our end, you know, and that's, uh, has been a plus, but you know, it hasn't been the same for anybody, for everybody. And you know, it, the main thing is caring about others. You know, you can't just be like on, uh, you know, they talk about the person with the, with the fur coat on, right? It's like cold outside, right? And a person can either start a fire and help other people or they can have their own fur coat on. It's like, what's the problem? Right? You gotta be that dude who's lighting the fire and helping people. Everybody else can come and enjoy the warmth as well. You know what I mean? Um, yeah, you know, I'd love, I'd love to hear um, your background kind of, um, Actually, before we get into that, you know, one thing I love to talk about is, as well is, uh, you know, let our listeners know where you're based out today. Yeah, so right now I'm in Las Vegas. Um, I usually travel around. I travel between uh, Las Vegas, Reno, and then soon to be Oklahoma. Sweet. Um, those are the markets that we are heavily in. Um, but yeah, so here in Vegas, I got uh, my dog Duke here with me as well. And uh, we're just hanging out, dude, getting the work done. Yeah, amazing, man. I know Vegas is a... Uh... Nevada in general is a, a big market. And my boy, uh, Kurt Robbins on, uh, he's uh, also has his own shows and stuff like that. If you're familiar with him, you know him? Yes, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's uh, over at Exhale, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he's a cool dude, yeah, cool dude. At, yes. He's a cool dude, we just, so. We just did a, we just did a um, pretty big pop-up together over at their dispensary. 
uh, we sell our products over there. And um, so, you know, whenever we do, so just like right now we're trying to get back to events, right? So like we're doing, we're doing the smaller event to try to, you know, socially distance, very safe, uh, very practical, making sure that people are social distancing, wearing masks. Um, but like people still have to go buy their cannabis. So while they're buying their cannabis, we'll have a little pop-up and make sure that they, you know, have a good time. So we bring out a, a food truck, bring out a DJ and it's always fun. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's, uh, that's the whole thing, right? Is like you're saying pivoting and still being safe, but you know, I think we get into this whole kind of weird state of mind uh, where we say, well, when things go back to normal or when all this clears up or the new normal or all these kind of things where it's just like, we're all in this together. Like we don't know what the hell's going on actually, right? We're actually like creating the normal right now. We're creating the future right now as we speak. So it's like, how are we going to react to it? Right? So, I mean, talk to me a little about, about your background as an entrepreneur um, and kind of how you got into, uh, you know, culture and cannabis and what you guys are doing. And then we'll talk about more about entrepreneurship and, uh, and kind of, you know, how, how we can navigate through this whole thing. Yeah. So it's kind of a little bit of a long story, but I'll, I'll try to make it quick. At this point. Oh, baby, do it. You know, let's hear it. <laughs> yeah. So growing up, I, you know, I, I, I have to give all my thanks to my parents. My parents, you know, taught me everything I know. They're sh straight hustlers. Um, my mom has always been someone who, you know, always is going to find a way to make ends meet. And I've always appreciated about her. My dad's just the type of guy that doesn't matter if he's sick, if he's, if his, you know, if he's hurting, doesn't matter every day he's waking up, he's tying those shoes, he's grabbing this lunchbox and he's going to work. So I think those two, uh, mentalities really, um, put me in the person I am today. And so they, um, they're big, big believers in education. And, you know, they believe that, um, if you want to transcend and go to the next level, that education is the way to get there. Um, so they put me in my sister through private school our whole life. And, um, it was definitely not easy to do that for them. They struggled to do it, but they made it happen. And, um, I went to a, a school here called Bishop Gorman with, which is, uh, for people that in Las Vegas know is a very prominent high school. I was going to school with kids that were not just millionaires, but billionaires. So um, I think um, getting like casino kids, owners or like how, how uh... yeah, casino owners. I mean, any casino owner in town that their family went there, uh, every doctor, lawyer, uh -huh. uh, business owner. I mean, you had Snoop Dogg's kid was going there. I mean, literally far and few between everyone, everybody and their mother that uh, is in Las Vegas and either they played sports or the family had money was most likely involved at Bishop Gorman. So uh -huh. um, it's uh yeah it's definitely um a, a a a ground to if you make the right moves to make the you know the best types of connections um and so going there right i you know i got this four years of seeing what it's like to live like a not just like a millionaire but like a billionaire so um and i saw the type of moves that they were making i was like man this is this is the lifestyle that i want right and it's not just the money but it's more of the freedom right the idea that they can do whatever they want whenever they want and so um um, I kind of got my first taste. I've always been kind of an entrepreneur, right? Since a young age, I've been working since I was 13 years old, but it wasn't really until I was like 16, 17 years old. My best friend's family, Ryan Soupy, shout out to Ryan Soupy. Um, they, you know, they were like my second family. They were like, yo, listen, we want to go to Italy. We want to bring you with us. Um, but you just got to pay for your ticket. We'll pay for everything else. Everything else is covered. We're going to go to multiple cities. We're going to be out there for about two weeks. All you got to do is pay for your ticket. And I was like, all right, I can make that happen. So I go back Amazing. to my parents. Tell my parents, they're like, yeah, I, we don't have an extra. Find a way to make it happen, you know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Same thing, right? And that's what she said. She was like, yo, you got to find a way to make it happen. And so at the time I was playing football full time and going to school. So I didn't really have a, a means to get a job. So I was like, fuck, I got to sell something. 
Um, and, um, and yeah, so at that time, the iPhone 4S had just come out. And so it was like the transition from the iPhone 4 to the 4S. But at, at the time, like phone cases didn't matter. Like it was the same phone case, same camera. So what I would did was, is that I would go around to like Tuesday mornings, Marshalls, TJ Maxx, um, some on Amazon as well and buy iPhone, iPhone 4 cases, um, that fit perfectly on an iPhone 4S. And I would go to school with a backpack full of them and just sell them. And I remember I sell one for 15, two for 25. And so my goal was just to get a thousand bucks so I can get the flight. I ended up selling enough to make 2,500 bucks, which made that trip a hundred times better for me. And um, yeah. And so, so from there, I kind of gave me the spark. I was like, oh shit, like if I want something, I can just go get it. Right. And so um, that mindset med- led me into um, uh, post-college when I got to post uh, high school into college. Um, first thing I did was, you know, uh, I realized I, you know, I love marketing and branding. So um, I needed to get a skill, which was graphic design, which is a hard, just my hard skill. Like that's something that I, I could always lean back on. Um, and then that too, I was like, I wanted to start a brand. I've always loved brands. And so I had a name Tyson Schroeder, who is an older, older guy. At the time he was 30 and I was an 18. And um, he just really liked me. He thought I had a good drive. And he was like, you know, we could definitely start a company together. And uh, so we started this company called Reno That's Fuck. And um, the story behind that's actually pretty crazy. Uh, so me and him, so me and him worked together at um, a t-shirt shop in Reno. So we managed it. It was a, I don't know if you've ever heard of Big Frog, but they're a national chain of t-shirt shops. And so um, the franchisee o- o- uh, owner hired me and him as the first two employees. And so uh, one day after work, just because that's not an easy industry to be in either, because it's pretty cutthroat. And um, we're what, just chilling at his house. Or what? It is, yeah, so uh, custom t-shirts. And so, um, you know, we sell, so I luckily had a lot of ins at the university, so I did pretty well with it. So I would sell the, you know, like all the shirts for the basketball team, uh, every fraternity and sorority, um, t-shirts to companies, t-shirts to, for anything, promos. We did, um, I did a bunch of stuff with St. Jude. I did a bunch of stuff with the, um, the, uh, the, uh, the blood donation company. I'm forgetting their name right now. But, um, but yeah, so we what? Red Cross? No. Red Cross. Yes. Red Cross. So the Red Cross would come pop up. They would give out blood and t-shirts. So, um, blood and t-shirts blood. sounds like a good deal, you know? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's so, a t-shirt and, in and of itself, you know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so one day we were sitting in his backyard and, um, and, uh, uh, it was January in Reno, which is a pretty cold time. And, uh, it had just snowed that day and it was about five, six o'clock to the sun's just setting, snow got pushed to the side. And so there's this pretty well-known street in Reno called College. And it's a big windy road and he lives at the end of it. And it's right next to the university. And um, we were sitting back there just bullshitting. And in the distance we hear like the rumbling of like like uh, skateboard wheels on the concrete. And as we look up, um, we see this girl and she's wearing a tank top short, like, uh, like jean shorts. Um, tattooed head to toe, uh, beats earphones, gauges, cigarette mouth, backpack and sunglasses, just shredding on this longboard. She passes by us and he says, that's Reno as fuck. I was like, man, that's a great name for a company. So we started Reno as fuck. And um, at that time too, a lot of people around me were getting internships and working for free, which I never really got that concept. Like I understand like sometimes you got to do things for free to get to the next step, but I didn't understand like going and being someone's bitch for a year right. and to get 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 experience. I was like, if I'm going to work for free, I'm going to work for myself. 
And so um, I, we started that. And so it was pretty interesting too, because it's a, a direct correlation that leads into cannabis because with the word fuck, you can't market it, right? You can't buy ads with it. You can't, you can't buy billboards with it. Um, and it's actually more regulated than cannabis at, uh, advertising laws in a sense. So, um, so I built that over the next four years. We got a licensing deal there um, with a, a beer company called Revision. And um, now the beer sells in about, uh, it sells in pretty much all 50 states and a couple countries as well. Like it's crazy because I'll get like notifications on my phone of people in Japan drinking the Reno's fuck beer. And it's like, you know, it blows my mind sometimes. And so my senior year of college, that was at like its peak Reno as fuck. And um, a buddy of mine, Cole Marcus was like, hey man, uh, I've been in this cannabis industry for a while now between Colorado. He was out in Texas when they were trying to pass the initiative there. And he was like, you know, something that's really big right now is the convention scene. And this is end of 2015, beginning of 2016, where like literally everybody and their mother is throwing conventions for cannabis. Like MJ BizCon is like the head cheer. And then there's like all these minor ones all across the country that are happening. So he's like, you know, we should throw one here in Reno. And he's like, I would love for you to be my, my co-founder and partner and get this thing up and running. And uh, I knew the market very well at the time. So that's kind of how I dove in. I just kind of dove in head first. And he was nice enough to teach me everything that he knew. And then he was like, yeah, you, I can only teach you so much. And then after that, we have to, you know, you have to kind of learn yourself. And so um, we did that for him for a year. It was a massive success um, after that first year. And then um, from there, I got a ton of jobs um, doing consulting for marketing com for uh, cannabis companies, just because I understood what it meant to be a marketer and not being able to buy Facebook and Instagram ads at that time. And um, so I did that for a long time and um, did that for, you know, 2016, 2017, 2018. And then I met um, and I did it the second year, went off really well, working with multiple companies. And then um, how I meet JC is that at the time, JC was doing all the marketing for New Leaf, um, which is, has a dispensary up in Lake Tahoe and in Las Vegas. And um he was throwing these events called the New Leaf Live series. And so uh, he had a social media person working for him who was DMing me like, yo, can you come up for the event? And I was like, ah, fuck it. I'm not going all the way up to Tahoe to go get some free snacks and hang out, not knowing what it actually was. And then um, at the time I was consulting and I still do consult for Harmonious CBD, which is one of the biggest CBD brands here in, in Nevada. And um, he was like, no, no, you got to come. My friend, uh, the owner, Brandon was like, yo, you got to come. You got to meet this guy, JC. He's kind of just like you. He has a podcast. They want to bring you on the podcast. Like, let's make it happen. So we go on the podcast and me and JC instantly hit it off. Um, <laughs> he was, I, and I'll never forget too, because that day he was wearing the the brand new Gary V shoes, which was the smoke and dust. The case was, whatever. The case was, yeah, brand new. Like literally like he just got them like the day before they came out maybe a week before. I was like, yo, those are the Gary Vee shoes? He's like, yeah, brother, aren't they sick? I was like, yeah, those are super dope. And that's kind of how we just kind of kicked it off. And ever since then, we built this relationship um, over the past almost three to four years now. Yeah, yeah. I remember and, when those came um, out. I remember that week when they came out, for sure. Like it was crazy, bro. I remember like how happy it was. Ago, I, was like, exactly. I was like, you fucking got a pair? I was like, that's yeah. crazy. Yeah. And, um, and, uh, and yeah, so we did that podcast on one day and kind of things just took off. And at the time he was doing the marketing for New Leaf and also throwing the, a monthly culture and cannabis event. And he knew that I had experience on the convention side. And so he was throwing more of like um, a festival style event, which is, uh, is, is a really fun style event. But um, uh, I don't think he at the time really understood like what it meant to throw a um, 
uh, a more structured style event that like uh, made sure that like city permits and stuff of that nature, not that he didn't pull that stuff, but just making sure that it was all dialed in so that um, when people rolled up, there was no ever, never, never any issues because the city of Las Vegas loves to screw us over. Yeah, and, um, and yeah, so got involved with him and then uh, just kind of took it off. And so me, him, um, our other partner, Chuck, um, and then our other partner, Leilani, and we have two, we have two other minority partners, Dean and Renard have just built culture and cannabis to what it is today. And so JC started this community, which is culture and cannabis. And, uh, now we have products and we're looking to go into as many markets as possible. And that's kind of, kind of my story <laughs> in a very long format way. No, I love it, man. You know, this is the main thing, right? As people gravitate towards stories, we're all human beings. We all have something to share. And this is, you know, we can talk about, you know, the, the ins and outs of this and that. And that's also so valuable. But, you know, we always gravitate towards stories. We're always so interesting, you know. And I, I really resonated a lot with that story, related a lot with that story. Um, you know, first and foremost, you know, growing up uh, in that kind of area, in that kind of environment, you know, I definitely relate to that. You know, I think we're sharing offline, you know. Uh, went to Calabasas, Calabasas High, and, you know, uh, obviously your first question, oh, the Kardashians is that, you know, and yeah. my parents, same thing, right? You know, we weren't, uh, we came from a place where, yeah, you know, uh, lived in Mexico City and went to the school with uh, with all the, uh, the billionaires there. You know, you have one family that owns a cell phone company and one family that owns, like, the, uh, you know, the gasoline company and, you know, the president's kids and this and that and the other thing, you know, and whatever, we're doing our thing, right? My dad's busting his ass, you know, my dad, like, owned a McDonald's, you know what I mean? And, like, that yeah. was, like, his, you know, and, like, same thing, Calabas is, like, busting their ass, sacrificing for us to be there just so we can be in those kind of environments because they understand how important education is, you know, the same kind of thing, right? You know, you're around, you're around, you know, our friends and their family and you see what's available to you, you know, and, um, you know, obviously, you know, America, we talk about, you know, shit, man, we got a lot of work to do that's obvious. Uh, a lot of uh, systemic things that hold people back uh, because of their race, because of their, um, you know, because of their social economic status, all these kind of things. In the same time, you know, you see people like us, you know, I'm a brown dude, you know, I'm a brown, you know, brown Jew and then whatever else and have different things going on and um, ups and downs and everything else. But, like you said, right, when you took that trip to Italy, you know, you saw, oh, shit, man, I can, like, go and get this. I can make this happen. I can get it done. You know, and we have our own sets of privilege and all those things. The fact that we went to those schools even, you know what I mean, shows that we have, we grew up with something that was uh, very unique, and I'm so grateful for, for that experience, right? But uh, entrepreneurship, you know, is something that I think, uh, you know, we mentioned Gary V, you know, and it's something that's just like a buzzword, and people want to be, but I always... You know, I ask when people, I talk to people who are want to be entrepreneurs or who are entrepreneurs, I'm like, well, what was the first thing you sold, right? That's like kind of like, you can tell, like, if someone really has that passion, right? You know, where were you when you were 15, 16? Were you hustling, doing something? Or you're just chilling, you know, whatever else, you know, kind of thing. So I love that story, man, about me to get to Italy, dude. Like, that's such a hustle. That's so cool, man. And, you know, yeah, it's just a... It's such a, a white, like a, a, a first world country problem in a sense, right? Like, you know, it's like funny to be like, oh, like your biggest struggle was trying to get to Italy for spring break. But uh, I, you know, it's, it's all about perspective, right? You know, it just, it just showed me, um, it's just, if you put in the work, you can, you can go get it. And uh, I think it's, I'm happy that you touched on the fact that there are issues in this country. There are systemic things that are happening and um people people can say what you want about america but it's really the only place that you know you can build the type of empire that you want 
if you're willing to go out and get it. And not to say that it's probably easier for some people and harder for others, but if you really want to do it, you're, you, you'll be able to do it here in America. And I, and, I, and I truly believe that. I still believe that the American dream is still alive and well, and I think it's always evolving. Well, for sure, man. I mean, I, you know, the same thing, right? You know, being in Nevada and focusing on the Oklahoma market and being able to focus on different markets within America. You know, I live, like I said, you know, in Tel Aviv a lot of the year. You know, and our company's based in the States, you know, and all of our clients are in the States and being able to have that privilege, you know what I mean? And then, you know, people can say this and that about America, you know, it's given us all kinds of opportunities and dude, it's a lot of issues. Don't get me started, you know what I mean? I mean, we can go real deep, you know, we can go real deep and, and ways that people usually like, holy shit, Maynard, you know what I mean? But uh, <laughs> chill out, bro. You know, when I was a kid, people would be like, Maynard, you're crazy, you know? <laughs> conspiracy theorists and they're like whoa actually it uh it doesn't seem that crazy anymore right but uh but it t you teach you learn things you know and you learn things you learn things along the way and like you said have to bust your ass and maybe work for a little bit of pay for a little bit and you know pay your dues and this and that but you learn right and like reno is fucked which i love that i love that name it's, it's freaking Thank awesome you. right but yeah like you said compliance issues and then teaching jc about compliance issues with you know, having conventions and having the right permits yeah. and cannabis is all about compliance, right? And you mentioned about like the ads, right? Buying ads and, you know, I'm a person who I love the fact that we can buy ads because it, it evens the playing field for a lot of different brands that wouldn't necessarily have a chance in hell because there's a lot of people who have a long, who have uh, you know, big runway, they have a lot of funding and you know how it goes with ads, you know, the, the more ads you run, the, the more people are gonna see it, the more people are gonna see it, the bigger you get. You know, so it's just, that's how it goes. So how do you feel about ads? Like, how do you feel about the fact that we can't run ads? Because I've heard both sides. Like, it's fucked up. Zuck, fuck that guy. Fuck these guys. These guys are idiots. <laughs> no, Right? But like, I'm, like I said, I'm of the belief of like, I think it's actually an advantage. How do you feel about cannabis I, and, and the, kind of the compliance issues, the red tape that we have to deal with? I agree with you. I think, um, I think, yeah, on the same side, it's like, yeah, it sucks that we can't run ads on Facebook and Instagram and whatnot. But at the same time, it levels the playing field, right? I mean, um, I, I'm in in the words of scheme of cannabis, uh, where I'm a small guy, right? Um, I'm one of the smaller smaller brands. I don't have millions of dollars of funding. I'm not publicly traded in the Canadian stock market, right? I don't have um, endless resources. The CEO of my company is not the old CEO of Target, right? It's not. It's uh, the our company is a a, a small business, and so it gives us an even playing field because if um, companies like Curely, for example, who is one of the biggest cannabis companies in the country, uh, was able to run Facebook and Instagram ads, I'd be screwed. I, there's no way I'd be able to compete. Um, and so I think, I think it's almost to the point where it's like, can't, um, big companies are not even looking at that. They're just like, yeah, whatever. Marketing, not as important right now. We just need to make sure that we have licenses in each state and that we'll have good sell through and that the revenue's there so that when it does go federally legal and the lights get turned on in this thing, um, we can either get the big buyout that we're looking for, or we can really take over the market and start buying other people out. And so um, for me, it's, it, it hypes me up, honestly, because it's like, okay, tell me I can't do something because I'm going to go do it regardless. And that's something that I think JC has really instilled in me, right? I feel like I kind of had it always in me, but JC kind of like talks about it all the time. It's like, yo, when someone tells you you can't do something, that that, that should make you want to even do it. Kick your ass, right? Like, yeah, it make, yeah, yeah. It makes you be like, yeah, fuck you, dog. Like, I'm yeah. gonna go do it. 
And so um, it's about being creative too. So uh, during 2020, um, you know, events is not happening. And events is our bread and butter. I mean, that's, that's where we built our community. JC, JC built this amazing community through events, um, which she really taught me how to do through doing events, right? Like that's where we get to meet people because Instagram's great and all, and you get to, you know, talk with people and whatnot. But when you get to meet someone face to face, get to shake their hand and really feel their like vibe and their aura, it's a different, it's a different type of connection. And so for us, it was like, well, what do we do now? Like we have a bunch of time on our hands. Yes, we're selling product in the market, but it's not the same without having events. So our partner Chuck was like, yo, dude, we should think about doing content that has nothing to do about cannabis. So we can start working ads on it. Uh. We can know who JC and Tony are. And so for us, it was like, okay, well, what do we like? So um, I own a restaurant here in Las Vegas called Smoke and Fire. JC and Chuck have been in the hospitality industry in Las Vegas for over 16 years. Wow. Um, so we're like, let's do food. Uh, JC was, is, was, used to be a master mixologist on the strip. So he knows his way around a bar very well, knows his way around a restaurant very well. Wow. Um, and uh, I used to do a ton of different marketing for small businesses up in Northern Nevada, you know, for restaurant marketing. So it made a lot of sense. So we started it and then we've been able to run ads on top of it. So one of our minority Smart. partners, Renard, um, he, uh, ironically, he's the uh, head of, I don't know his exact title, but he essentially runs all the ads for like Facebook, Google, Instagram for uh, Sapphire Strip Club here in, here in Vegas. And um, he's, it's, it's a crazy opportunity because they give him essentially an unlimited budget to spend on ads. And so he's really got to really test some things out that work and don't work. So he really knows it very well. And um, with us, it made a lot of sense. So we brought him on and he's just been crushing it with running ads on our, on our culture as food content um, to the point where we started it in March. We have, we're, you know, we're doing anywhere between 100 to 200,000 views per video. And our um, ROI has been crazy. It's just been something that um, I've been very happy about. And on top of it, too, being a restaurant owner, I understand how hard it is for restaurant owners to do marketing when they don't really understand. Because, you know, if you're good at making pizzas, you're good at making pizzas. And you should only worry about making pizzas, making good pizza. But it, you shouldn't be worrying about social media marketing and, you know, how you're going to get your name out there, right? And so... For us, um, it was, it's imperative to help these people out at the same time too, right? We're giving light to restaurants that never had it before. Um, and we've seen that too, because, you know, we'll come in and do a, a, come and do a show and um, we'll either do like a coupon after or we'll get a name, a, a, menu, not, a menu item named after us. A perfect example is uh, Lucino's here in uh, Las Vegas for a pizza shop. Shout out to my, shout out to my guys over there. And uh, they named a... Uh, uh, a loaded fry called the culture, the culture is food fries. And it's one of their top sellers now. And it's been fantastic for them. And I'm really happy to see that, right? Because it's like, you see it online, get to go there in person and try it. Two average dudes are eating it. And um, it's just been fantastic. And it's helped us with cannabis as well, right? It's kind of like our top of funnel. So we're using culture as food to get into other markets slowly but surely because you're going to see this mug and JC's mug all over the internet because of it. And so, um, so yeah, I mean, it's, it sucks that you can't run ads, but you got to be creative about how you're going to do it too, because maybe you're a cannabis and you also like cars. Well, maybe start a car, a car social media page that slowly kind of talks about cannabis. And then when the lights get turned on and you can run ads on Facebook, great. You're at a perfect place to start running ads on your culture, your, uh, your cannabis page and your non-cannabis pages. 
Yeah, it's so smart, man. I mean, it's a, it's more than just a workaround, right? I mean, it's, it's so savvy to have that, like you were saying, being able to have something that doesn't kind of have that, that those red tape kind of things. And but from there, you're able to funnel people in, right? And people to funnel people in and, and uh, you know, have those different revenue streams, you know, which is so important, right? You know, you're not just focus on one thing or the other thing, which sucks about the events. Because, you know, that, that whole industry has been uh, you know, decimated this last year, you know. But uh, people are hungry for that. So, once again, you know, when the lights get turned on, that thing's going to be, like, crazy, obviously, you know. But, yeah, we're, yeah, we hope. We hope. Yeah. I mean, you see it, right? I mean, you see anything, anything, time, any, you know, when the beach opened up, it was like, everybody's at the beach. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> even people who hate the beach were at the beach. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. So, the same thing, you know what I mean? Once the stuff opens up again, it's like, everybody's going to be going to movies. Everybody's going to be going to events, all that kind of stuff. But, um. Well, is, you know, talking about content, you know, I think, you know, we mentioned Gary B earlier and talking about the podcast and talking about the importance of content and what it really does, right? Content marketing, especially within cannabis um, and everything like that, you know, um, I think sometimes uh, we talk about, you know, done is better than perfect, right? And just kind of getting something up and going from there, um, keeping things going and being consistent. But talk to me about your kind of uh, strategy, uh, kind of what's the reasoning behind it and kind of, um, you know, how, how you're approaching it, you know, in terms of content. Yeah, but I got to give all thanks to, like, JC and JC and Chuck are the partners who really taught me, like, what it is to have real strategy and real content. Um, with Reno as fuck, it was kind of more of, I was figuring out as I was going, and luckily that kind of took it, took on its own path. But for, like, personal branding and personal storytelling, um, it's um, the strategy is telling that story, right? Right, like you know, you said at the beginning, like people like to hear stories, and so for JC, for example, JC, you know, JC was counted out, right? Uh, not to talk about a story, but JC was a person that was not that was counted out, and people, you know, he was at one point addicted to opioids and uh, um, yeah. was on the the nightlife scene, and um, talk about it. Uh, Talk about an underdog story, right? Everyone is saying, no, you're not going to be able to start a cannabis company, not going to be a start an events company. And here JC is now with a multi-million dollar cannabis brand in, in Nevada, soon to be Oklahoma. And so um, he has done a really good job of showing me how to do content marketing. It's just telling, telling your story, telling where you want to be. And so um, like a perfect example today is that um, I'm, a, I'm a cold brew drinker. I'm a fanatic cold brew drinker. I've tried everyone's cold brew from like Starbucks to Dutch Bros, coffee bean to the, the bottom ones. And my favorite till this day is a Stoke, is Stoke cold brew, which is a ball cold brew. And so I've, I, I want to work with them. Like my goal is when they're ready to take, put CBD and THC in their cold brew, I want to be the guy that's helping them do that. So I made a post today, like saying, I'm going to manifest that, right? I'm at, not going to be today, might not be tomorrow, might not be next year, might not even be five years from now, but one day, my ass is going to be, you're going to see me and Stoke Cold Brew working together. And I think that's, um, I think that's, uh, I think that right there, right? It's like, I'm trying to show that story because when it does happen and I can go back and be like, listen, I, I told you I was going to do it. It just took me a little time to get there. And so I think, um, I think that's what it comes down to is being able to tell that story and connect and build your community too. It's like, um, uh, when I was first doing social media, I didn't realize how important or an impact that I was making. And I still think that my impact's very small compared to other people's impact, like a Gary Vee or Joe Rogan or Tony Robbins, right? 
but they're still impact being made. And people, not a lot, but people will reach out to me and say to me like, hey man, thank you for that post that you made today that talking about whatever, whatever I was talking about, right? Whatever motivation thing I was saying, um, because it might help somebody. And if I could just help one person with one post, bro, I'm, I feel good about myself. And so I think it's just a combination of, of all of that. And, and like you said, being consistent. It's not about being perfect. And I feel like so many people are like, have to make their content so perfect. It's like, no, dude, just get it done and get it out. And then over time, make the adjustments that you have to make. Okay, you, you made a, you, you misspoke on this video. Okay, no big deal. On the next one, let's send it. And that was something that Jason really had to teach me too, because um, I would get stuck right because that's what happens is that when you're shooting for perfection you're gonna get stuck because it's like well i have to do this first before i go do this it's like no bro who gives a shit jc will post videos of his son foster that of him taking it and there'll be like a finger that will get put in the video or it'll be out of focus for a second he's like fuck it let's just post it i'm gonna post one tomorrow anyway so what, what's yeah. what's it matter so um so i think that with the, <laughs> with the short answer to your question is just like you said being consistent not worrying about um, being perfect and always telling your story. Three, two, one, two, ignition, lift off. We at Calican are passionate about cannabis and CBD marketing, branding, SEO content, and web design. If you are a cannabis owner and you know you need an uptick in business or an upgrade in the way your customers perceive you, come check us out at calican.com and schedule a time to speak with us today. Amazing. No, definitely, definitely. You know, and, uh, people want to hear the story. They want to see it. It's something that I struggle with a little bit because, you know, I love having a podcast because I get to bring people on who have their story, right? And I get to hear their story, you know? And to me, I love it. You know, like I was telling you, you know, selfishly, this, this whole podcast is for me in a way, because I get to meet dope ass people and get to hear their story and get to learn from them. You know, whereas like, I'm really good at what I do, but I'm not good at everything, you know, and I get to learn a little bit here, a little bit there, the other thing. But yeah, that's something that I think, you know, the Jewish New Year just started, something I can bring into the New Year's to share my story a little bit more, because I think that we also have a pretty cool story as well. But uh, yeah, man, you know, something that we talked about as well before, you know, I was talking about like cannabis law reform and something that uh, I know that you're passionate about. You know, and um, it's something that obviously, you know, you know, coming up to election, coming up to, uh, you know, it's something that we're always fighting for and people that have been fighting for way before we were around, right? Been fighting for 40, 50 years now, you know, for this stuff. And we're like, no matter, even, even if we're vets in this industry, you know, we still have a lot more to go and we have a lot to learn. But kind of like, you know, walk me through that. What do you mean by that? By cannabis law reform, you know, as if I'm just a seven-year-old child, you know what I mean? And, uh, and what, what do you want to see? In that regard. Yeah, so so um, I've uh, I've been working with uh, Nevada Normal for the past couple years uh, now, uh, helping them start their Reno chapter. And um, uh, the biggest thing for me when it comes to law reform is that you know people are like, well, cannabis is already legal in Nevada. Like, what else is there to do? Um, just speaking about Nevada, it's like, well, there's so much other stuff to do. Like, there's still people that sit in jail in Nevada. Yeah, exactly with cannabis related charges like that's like top priorities like people who are doing the same thing that i'm doing right now need to get out of jail i need to get pardoned like it's um it's ridiculous right you know and uh it's, it's almost a hundred years of this cannabis bias has been um has been an issue so 
Um, first and foremost, getting people out of jail is like right. definitely what we have something that we have to do. Um, and then secondly, is the is the laws that get made after legalization, right? So you get you get you usually go through it like with any state, it goes decriminalization, medical, and then recreational. And different, you're going to see all across the country, different states are going to do it differently. Um, Nevada did it differently. California did it differently. Colorado did it differently than everybody else. But you're, you're, as time goes on, you're going to see more of a uniform way of how people do it. Um, so with us, though, in, in just Nevada, so recreational pot gets made legal. Great. Well, what? So our biggest industry in Nevada is tourism. So where are all these tourists going to smoke weed? Are they going to smoke weed in their hotel rooms? No, that's illegal. Are they going to smoke weed on the streets? No, that's illegal. So where are they going to where are they going to consume the products at? Um, so social use venues is definitely something that is a priority for awesome. our industry, right? Because um, it doesn't make sense that you can come here and buy an ounce of weed, but you can't smoke it. In. Legally, can't smoke it anywhere. You can't smoke it in your rental car. You can't go outside and smoke it. So I think um, that's definitely number one. Just getting a, a a space where you can go and you can consume your product as a, as a consumer. Um, number by, by the way, a lot of sorry, to but a lot of great things have happened already. You know, talking about the, you know, I remember taking trips out to Vegas. You know, coming from LA and taking trips out to Vegas, and just like crossing the crossing the state lines. You know, don't want to uh, you know uh, throw myself in the over here. Yeah, you know what I mean. But like, you know, you got stuff in the car, and you're just like, right here, I have my medical card. It's legal. Right here. They don't fuck around in the state, dude. They do not fuck no. around. So it's great to see that, like, so much has changed in Nevada in that regard. And you're right, like, a lot more needs to be done. You know, so that was just my two bits. So, so, so go on now, you know. Uh, yeah, no, <laughs> no, you're right. You're right, too. And so um, I think another big thing that Nevada took, um, took on that other states should take on as well that some states don't do right now is reciprocity for your medical card. So you being um, a medical card holder in California, you should be able to come to Nevada and get still get those same benefits, right? Uh, because at the end of the day, you're a patient. And that's what this, that was, that's what this cannabis movement was built for, is for people, the patients, right? And I believe, I believe anyone that could cannabis is a patient, but then there's really people that truly need it, right? Like uh, um, I use cannabis for multitude of reasons, uh, but at the end of the day, if I want a day without smoking, no big deal. Uh, but there's people who, if they go a day without using cannabis, they're, they're screwed, right? Yeah, people with, yeah, stage four cancer or, or lupus or um, any, a, a multitude of things, right? Uh, so um, so that that is also an issue. And I think that's an issue too at the state level because when Nevada went recreationally legal, they forgot about the patients. Like there's no really benefits to owning and having a medical card, right? Yeah. Where in states like Colorado, they have the one of the strongest medical programs where um, I don't know the exact laws, but I know that um, as a cultivation or production, it uh, and being a dispensary, having a dispensary, a vertically integrated company, um, you can only grow as, grow as much or produce as much as, as many medical patients that you have. So that's interesting, right? Because they're like, yo, we want more medical patients. And so I think that's another big thing that's happening right now is, is, is that. Um, and then uh, last thing, the last biggest thing that's happening in Nevada is the DUI law. So right now the DUI law is, um, is, um, is it's kind of screwed. So uh, if you get pulled over and they believe that you've been consuming cannabis, um, and you either like take a blood test or um, a P test um, and you have over two nanograms in your system, which is like a, a very, very small amount. 
um, of cannabis, like like to the point where that would even get you high realistically, um, you get a DUI, which is like crazy because that means at any given time I'm driving and I get pulled over and they think that I'm intoxicated because of cannabis, um, I can get a DUI like at any given time. And yeah. so going back to we're the all going to test positive for that, you know. I mean, yeah, anyone that uses cannabis on a consistent basis will test positive for that, and so that's what's so scary about it. Um, and so right now they're trying to figure out a way. Well, it's like well. Well, how are we supposed to test? Because I I agree that um, you know there needs to be some type of law. I, I, people need to be responsible when they consume cannabis. I'm a firm believer in that. If you want this to be a true regulated market that is um, that is upheld the same towards alcohol or tobacco, it needs to be. And there needs to be some repercussions if you're overdoing it and you're driving because you can put other people's safety at risk. Um, so I believe that there's some way to do it. I don't know what that is right now, um, but right now that's the, kind of the biggest thing that we're going after. We want to be um, the same as alcohol, right? When you have a, um, in Nevada, it's, I don't know if it's across the country, but in Nevada, it's a 0.08 uh, blood alcohol so content. That's what it is in California too. Um, yeah, so, uh, so, and so that's two to three beers, right? And someone that drinks two to three beers could be drunk. But someone that has two nanograms of cannabis in their system is not going to be high. Uh-huh. So, um, so there just needs to be a new way to figure that out. And I know that there's been multiple companies who are trying to like corner that market by creating a machine or a swab or something of that nature that um, gets to that. But um, I'm just hoping that our legislators here in Nevada can, un- can understand where we're coming from as medical, medical cannabis users and recreational cannabis users. Oh, definitely, definitely. I mean, a long way to go with that as well, you know, because the whole thing is, is like you were saying, right? I mean, you have a beer, you have a few beers and it's in your system at that moment, right? You know, you, like you were saying, we could be smoking last night. We're going to be smoking earlier in the month or whatever else it is. And then we're still going to come up in that way. You know, my, my kind of understanding has been, and I'm not sure if this is across the board, but at least in California, it's been like, um, they kind of don't want to fuck with it right now because of the hemp thing, right? Because they don't even know what even like even with possession right even with possession anything like that because they don't know what's hemp what isn't hemp who has who doesn't have so they're just kind of like turning uh you know for better for worse turning the blind eye to that regard in that way um because they've gotten themselves in trouble right arresting people when it, when it wasn't even uh it wasn't even, even thc you know what i mean so yeah. it's just uh it's a lot of things going on with it you know um, so i don't know how, how that plays out in, in nevada and how it plays out in different states um but, uh, but that's kind of how it's, how it's been. Um, well, it, I'm happy that you bring that up too, because I believe, you know, as I, I, um, I wish cannabis was just as easy as selling weed on the black market, right? Because it should be, right? Because if I wanted to start a jam company, right, where I was making strawberry jams and blueberry jams and all these types of jam, I don't need multi-million dollar licenses to start a jam company. I just need a business license and I can get up and running. And yeah. I've got to have consumers that, that do that. And I wish it was that way, but it's not, unfortunately. And so because of where we're at, um, what's ended up, what's going to end up happening is that if certain laws get in place in certain, in certain states, it's going to push people back to the, the black market. And I don't even want to call it the black market. I just want to call it the the illicit market, right? The tra- um, we call it traditional, you know, whatever, the traditional you know, market. The original market, the original yeah, market. Yeah, right? exactly. So, um, so yeah, so and I, I, for me, I would love everyone who is in in the 
original traditional market to come to the legal market and be able to have thriving small businesses within that market, just as I, as a small business owner at, with a restaurant can compete with guys like Chili's because I'm a local spot and they're a massive chain. They got way more money than me. They could, if they want to, they could buy me out at any given time. They got but, way more overhead I, and everything else too, you know, so. Yeah, but at the same time as, yeah, I can, I can then thrive because I have certain advantages that they don't uh-huh. and vice versa. So I'm just hoping that um, as we see, uh, cannabis over time happening. I'm hoping it kind of turns more into the beer style model. Um, I'm not super hyped about the idea of like distribution, which is like, you know, you have to have alcohol in Nevada. I don't know how it is in California and other states. I think it's um, this pretty much everywhere that you have to have a distribution license to sell, sell your alcohol. So like if you're a home, if you're a brewer, right? Like for example, like the Reno's fuck beer is, um, it has to be distributed through multiple distributors throughout the country. Like I, I can't just go to a bar and be like, yo, buy my beer. It doesn't work like that. Um, and so right now that's how it is with cannabis, but it might not always be like that. So um, I'm interested to see what happens going forward. Cause I just really hope it gets regulated just like alcohol in a sense. Uh, for sure. Yeah. And you know, uh, that's the whole thing, right? That's the reason why, you know, you see in, Ca- in California, you know, numbers are estimated is every two out of two out of every three, dispensary is traditional market, you know, because it's just like going through all the steps, going through all this regulation, all this stuff where, like you said, it's not that they have the, the, the patient's best interest in mind, right? They have the state's best interest in mind and how much tax you can get and everything like that. Trying to really suck as much out as they possibly can. There has to be a lot of reform with that, right? And I think that's one of the things too, you know, oh, well, it's legal now. Yeah, but when it got legalized, we got kind of fucked over in a lot of ways. Like we need to change a lot of the stuff that goes on. Now, you know, we can't just be stuck with this forever. There's certain things that, you know, we've seen now in practice just doesn't work. You know what I mean? So, um, but yeah, you know, and talking about, you know, that, that traditional market, you know, that was kind of my story, you know, how, you know, I was on cassettes when I was, uh, you know, whatever, seven, eight, nine, ten. But, yeah. uh, you know, my entrepreneurship story when I got, uh, you know, 15, 16 years old was, you know, take an ounce and turn it into QP, take a QP and, you know, sure. went from there. You know what I mean? And that's kind of like, well, that worked in that, in that regard, but um, yeah, there, there's a lot of work that needs to be done, man. A lot of work needs to be done in terms of, uh, you know, how we regulate it. The people who are stuck in jail, right? We talk, we talk about conventions, right? And look at all the people at the conventions, right? And we talk about what they look like, right? They all kind of share a certain kind of look and they don't, they, <laughs> you know, and they're definitely not the dudes who are sitting in jail for cannabis crimes. You know what I mean? Exactly. And, uh, and all, and all, I mean, it's just so, it's so crazy to even think about, you know, it's so crazy to think about that we can have these huge conventions. This is all compliant and everybody is dressed a certain way looking to a way it's all business and we're making good money off of it. And, and wonderful. So like I know, it's you know, not a problem, but how come this dude sitting in jail for something? You know what I mean? And oh, well the laws and you should, and it's like, Oh, well we can review this now. You know what I mean? And uh, it's incredible. Yeah. It's, I think the issue is that people don't want to say that they made a mistake. Like they were like, like they fucked up, you know what I'm saying? And so people in general don't want to do that. And politicians definitely want to do that. You know what I mean? Exactly. Exactly. So it's just about being humble enough to say, yo, we made a mistake. We're sorry. We want to fix this as much as we can. No one's ever going to be able to make it hundred percent. Right. I mean, lost time is like the worst thing that could ever happen to anybody. Um, and I'm happy that you brought that up too, because you're right. When we do, when you do go to these conventions, a lot of people are, you know, it's 
white men and women who are um, come from either a hospitality or the tech industry who are now getting into cannabis. And I think that's another thing is too, is the, the, mi the minority, right? Where does the minority fit back into the market that they created, right? And I think um, places like Chicago, for example, are trying to do these social equity programs. I know California is trying to do it. I'm hoping that Nevada is going to take a look at it as well. And um, the next round of licenses is doing some social equity program where someone who either was directly affected by cannabis laws, um, anti-cannabis laws, or a family member of someone who was affected by anti-cannabis laws makes it way easier for them and lay, way less expensive for them to get a cannabis license because that potentially could have been their trajectory if cannabis was legal, right? Yeah. I mean, who's to say that um, that people that are in jail now couldn't have been the CEO of massive cannabis? A lot of smart-ass dudes sitting in jail. A lot of smart, savvy yeah. people. You know what I mean? And yeah. their 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 one problem was that they were they got in too early. They were they they're visionaries. You know what I mean? Like that's their, yeah. you know. Their, their plan was like, yo, one day this is going to go legal and I'm going to yeah. get into the market. And yeah. then they just didn't make it because of X, Y, Z thing happened and now they're in jail. Yeah. So it's, um, it's, I'm, I'm, I'm very grateful for the position that I'm in, but I would be foolish to not try to help that get pushed forward. I would be ignorant to not try to push forward the idea that we got to help the people that are in jail and minorities who are affected by anti-cannabis laws to get them licenses so that they can they can have a business as well for sure for sure man it's uh you know and i'm grateful that we can just have this conversation and you know but at the same time you know people are sitting in jail so this is going back to that privilege right we're privileged enough to be able to have a conversation where other people are, are losing time with their life you know losing time with their loved ones and all that other, you know this and the next you know so it's uh uh, glad that you're doing what you're doing, and I'm uh, you know grateful to see to see what's coming up, you know. But uh, I guess it takes me to the next thing, you know, talking about um, you know the obstacles, right? The obstacles we talk about coronavirus, we talk about um, you know compliance stuff, regulation stuff. Uh, what's been the biggest obstacle that you face with culture and cannabis, and how you've been able to overcome that? Um, I think. I think the biggest obstacle for us is honestly, I mean, I, I, with anybody is people, right? Is, is egos. Um, the cannabis industry, especially in Nevada is full of full with a lot of egos. And I think it's, um, it's because these are these, these licenses are multi-million dollar privileged licenses. And so people that can really only get it are people who are not in any other industry that are conflicted with, with cannabis. And to have the money to do so, and those people's, not all of them. I've met some very, very nice, uh, wonderful human beings who are our license holders here in Nevada that are fantastic people. But there's some people that really suck, man. And and so I think um, um, at, for us too. So we don't own a license. We don't own any licenses in any states. We are a, li a brand that licenses out our brand to other brands to, and then we do the sales and marketing for them. And so. Um, I think at first kind of pitching that idea here in Nevada was uh, somewhat of an obstacle because people didn't really get it, right? The idea that we want to be a brand that not just goes to one facility, but goes to as many facilities as possible and produces products out of each facility. And so at first it kind of was a kind of a far-fetched idea, but now that we're in the market, people are really kind of starting to see it. So, um, so I think, I think that is number one. And then number two is always, and it's always going to be is capital, right? I mean, this is a very, very, very expensive industry to be in. I mean, um, I got my first tax bill 
from the cannabis industry and it was almost $18,000. And I like almost had a heart attack. I don't, I don't think I've ever paid anyone $18,000 for anything. Welcome, welcome to the, welcome. <laughs> the green tax, pay, baby. Yeah, I got to pay 18 G's for selling some pre-rolls. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you do. So um, I think that's also been an obstacle as well too, because you know, um, I'm fortunate enough where I have, I'm in a place where I don't necessarily have to take a paycheck to build this brand. And, um, and I've done that and I, I've done that on purpose. And, um, and, uh, and if you can't do that, you can't just survive off, off doing that because you're going to get hit with that $18,000 tax bill and it's going to put you under. So, um, so I think those two things as well. So, um, and for us, we, we wanted to build it ourselves for culture and cannabis. We didn't want to go look for millions of dollars in venture capitalist funds or, um, you know, injections of money. We wanted to build this yeah. by ourselves and, you know, own it. For sure, man. For sure. That's, that's the only way, you know, especially you see what happens with the funding, right? Funding's great. Right, but then you lose focus on what's important. You know, you start coming to the office with the keg and the ping pong table and the PS5 <laughs> and everything else. You know what I mean? And you just got the runway, you know, and you forget you forget to, to work hard, right? Talking about what JC says, you know, somebody says you can't do it. Kicks you in the ass to say, hey, man, fuck you, man. You know what I mean? No, for sure. What are you talking about, dude? I'm going to show you. Right? When somebody's just handing you money, you're, you kind of lose that hunger in a certain way. You know what I mean? Lose that little yep. bit of the hunger. It's so important. Um, and yeah, the, you tip, know, the tip on the shoulders like so necessary as an entrepreneur, you oh, always, yeah. and even if you don't have one, you kind of have to create one for yourself. And that gets yeah. kind of weird because um, some days I have to create chips yeah. on my shoulder, right? Like, like <laughs> you know, just almost made up things so that it pushes me to go even harder or farther than I might, might not go if I didn't have that chip. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's crazy. You know, you talk about, you know, I mean, you, you gotta have your why, right? But you know, you, you see like, you know, Michael Jordan's induction speech into the Hall of Fame. This is an example, could be anybody, right? And instead of being like, here's a guy I think, here's this and that, he's like, fuck that guy, fuck that guy, fuck that guy. I showed all you, you know what I mean? I was like, that's what drove me to score that point on that game. And this guy drove me to score this on that thing. And he's the one who made me get up at 4 a.m. because I wanted to show that dude. And I was like, oh my gosh, man, like, you know, you can look at it as like, this dude's been addictive as fuck, you know, but like, this is like, <laughs> he's the greatest of all time for a reason, you know, it's mean? like, just like, of you course. know, it's just crazy. But you know, that also plays into the other thing you're saying, right, with the, um, you know, to have, talking about personalities and egos that go on within the industry. And it's, it's always, it's always, you know, and I think a lot of it has to do with, like you were saying, has to do with, you know, we're talking about people of means and you have to come in here and you have to be of means, but there's also another aspect too of people who, you know, been building this industry from the traditional market and are now we're legit for the first time. And there's people coming in who didn't do it. And there's kind of like this, I, what I've seen is kind of like same thing, right? Of like, fuck you, you didn't help build this. Now you're just gonna come with benefits, you know? Or like, I'm an expert because I've been here. You know what I mean? That means like prove that I'm an expert and you're not an expert. I didn't see you 20 years ago. I didn't see you 10 years ago. You know what I mean? And that kind of thing. And then, um, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of weird to see because you know, work with brands on the, uh, on the adult use side, on the, you know, on the marijuana side, that can't, and then also on the hemp side, you know, and the hemp side is such a different, just a whole different group of people. You know, it's so crazy to see. It's so crazy to see, like, it's all under the umbrella of cannabis. But like what you see, what the, each people are, one of them is humble and they're getting in and, 
Maybe they've only been around for three or four years, but they're willing to learn and they're so into the science of it and this and that. The other one's like more into like, you know, of course, genetics and everything. And then the other side is too. But like also like the fact of like, well, I've fucking been here. Where have you been? You know, and that kind of like wanting to hold everything close to your jacket. You know what I mean? As opposed to like being more open with your knowledge and being willing to share it and that kind of stuff. It's really like, you know, I can see why it happens, but it also baffles me at the same time. Just like, because I deal with both sides of personalities, you know, with our clients, just being around and everything like that. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's so crazy. That's, I, that, I'm happy that you brought that up too, because it is, it's so true because like, um, being a owner of a THC company versus a CBD or hemp company are two different types of owners, right? Yeah, because, yeah. Um, you know, anyone can get into the CBD or hemp space relatively easily, um, but not everyone can get into the THC space. Yeah. And so, um, and, and, but with that being said, it's way harder to be in the CBD and hemp space than it is to be in the THC space. Um, and that's what you delight. I, yeah, I think so. I, I would say being in the THC space is easier because um, at the end of the day, a lot of people don't use, a lot of people use cannabis just to get high. And I know, and they, they're using it for medical reasons. They don't even know why they're using it. Like, they don't even realize, like, this is a medicine that's helping them repair whatever, whatever, whatever they had going on in the day. And that's why they need that joint. Mm -hmm. it, it's great. So selling, and I've sold both. It's way easier to sell weed than it is to sell CBD for That's me fair. personally. And I think um, I think the the for brands that do it correctly with CBD, they could they could outsell any THC brand to mm. that's ever been. I mean, Select is a perfect example, right? They're mm. maybe the biggest yeah. cannabis company in the world, and um, they, they started by selling CBD and not yeah. THC. And so, I think they're rebranding yeah. too already, you know. And I'm you yeah, know, so. it's social. Yeah. Social, yeah. So, um, yeah, get get ready for so social, yeah. yeah but yeah. Uh, it's interesting to see, though, you know. So, um, so yeah, I'm. Uh, it's just funny because like the, it's just like not clicky, but just the mentality uh, is similar but different. Oh, for sure, for sure. It's so crazy to see this. This was exciting, man. We're creating it right now as we speak. You know, like we we're saying at the beginning, right? We're creating. This, this, uh, this place that we live in now and this reality right now, we can't uh, rely on uh, what was working before. It's, we're, we're, tr we're all trying to feel it all together and getting everything like that. And the same thing with the industry, right? You know, the industry is, is still a baby, despite that we've had the traditional market going on, we didn't have the compliance stuff, we didn't have all the things going on. We didn't have the, you know, we had the personalities, but they were expressed different in a lot of different ways. But, you know, that's what's fun about it. You know, that's what I love about it, you know, and uh, that's what's exciting about it. So uh, definitely a lot exciting to come. You know, also a lot of exciting to come with uh, culture and cannabis. So you know, talk to me a little bit about um, what can we expect from culture and cannabis in the future. What do you guys have coming up? Uh, so the first thing is that we're you know going to Oklahoma. I'm really excited about that. Me and my partner uh, Chuck are going to be moving out there for about 32-ish days to get the brand launched out there. We're working with a group called Ruby Maze, which is a fantastic company out in Tulsa. Um, they just have a great energy, great vibe. They're on the rise right now. And so we're really excited to go out there and just kind of bring the culture and the community that we built here in Nevada to Oklahoma. And so um, definitely be on the lookout for that. Be on the lookout for, I mean, the goal is to be in 36 markets in 15 months. I mean, 30, 15 markets in 36 months. Uh -huh. And so um, to, do, to do that, it's going to take a lot of bandwidth and um, take a lot of uh, perseverance. And so um, we're going to be adding a lot more people to the team. The team's been growing massively this year, and then next year it's going to be 
crazy. We're going to, you know, the goal is to be in four to five markets and manage all those markets. So I'm really excited for that way more content. I mean, we're going to double, triple, I mean, we're doing a lot of content right now, but we're probably going to triple down on doing more content wow. just because wow. we believe, we believe that's our bread and butter, right? We believe that's what makes us stand out compared to other brands is the fact that we are doing so much content and at our core, we're a media agency and we just, it just so happens that our product that we sell is cannabis. Yeah. So, uh, for that and then um and some way more unique products i want to um we, we want to pride ourselves in making some of the most unique cannabis products in the game so be on the lookout of some of the craziest production unique cannabis product you'll ever see amazing man i love it you know and uh, talking about oklahoma you know we've had people on and it's really a cool um thing to see you know because it's really exciting it's a new market and we're also seeing a lot of uh, trepidation because a lot of saturation a lot of people are getting in and not getting the results they were expecting. We said around the country, obviously, you know, but we're seeing a lot of people kind of get knocked out of the game pretty quickly. People who are good people who I've seen in Oklahoma, people are really, really, uh, you know, really close to the culture. You know, like you're talking about the culture, you know, really close to it and uh, not, uh, you know, not to take myself back to seventh grade, but not posers, you know what I mean? These guys are people really, really excited <laughs> to finally have a chance to finally come out of the woodwork and say like, yeah, dude, I've been smoking weed and I'm up from Oklahoma. You know what I mean, and uh, you know, so yeah. it's uh, you know, so anyway, so uh, so that's a good stuff, dude. So um, yeah, I mean, before I let you go, you know, I always ask everybody on the show my favorite question. You know, how do you define success, whether professionally, personally, spiritually, whatever, what have you? What does success look like for you? I, I think um, success for me is being able to do what you love and what makes you like the most happy on an every every given day. Every day you wake up, you love what you're doing and you're very happy about it. That's success to me. It's not about the dollar amount. It's not about how many cars you have or the houses that you have across the country. It's about being happy and having the love to do it. So that's success to me. Sure, man. All that stuff is fleeting, you know, the materiality side of it. But, you know, and besides, if you do things really well and you enjoy doing it, all that stuff's going to come anyways. You know what I mean? Man, you got to yeah. get up Don't and get me wrong. what you do. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> Sorry, Duke, 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 Duke also agrees. Yeah, Duke, Duke's like, dude, you got to love what you do, baby. Yeah, but <laughs> yeah. like, don't get me wrong. I, don't, I mean, I definitely want the big house yeah. and the Ferraris as well, but I think it's more important to be happy. And so that's, you oh. know, that's always, that's always the biggest thing is, you know, oh. make sure that you're, whatever you're doing, make sure you're happy. Because uh, my uncle, uh, my, in my uh, high school graduation, my um, uncle, Ed, uh, very wise guy said to me, uh, do what makes you happy. The rest is all bullshit. And so that's yeah. kind of what I've been living by. For sure, man. For sure, dude. I love it. You know, you got to uh, get up in the morning and show up and love what you do. You know, now, yep. uh, as we close, you know, how can finders, our listeners find out more about culture and cannabis, connect with you, get your products, find out more about your events or your restaurant and everything else you guys got going on? Yeah, definitely. Um, so you can find me at Full Time Tony on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find Culture and Cannabis at Culture and Cannabis on Facebook and Instagram. Um, you can find our foodie page, Culture is Food, just Culture is Food, all one word, on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can find JC at jc.coats. Go check him out. He's always dropping some motivation stuff on there. Awesome. Um, you can check out my restaurant, Smoke and Fire. It's Smoke and Fire LV. That's both on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, yeah, be on the lookout. Join our email list. We do we do a great bi-monthly um, email where uh, we send out multiple blogs. We have a great writing team. 
And um, check out the podcast too, Culture and Cannabis Podcast. It airs every Thursday today. I'm going to be on it today, uh, here later today at four o'clock um, uh, Pacific, Pacific time. Um, uh, we bring on great guests, just like how you do. You, you know, you do a fantastic job. And uh, yeah, check us out all throughout that. If you have any questions, please feel free to reach out to me or JC at the Culture and Cannabis page. We'd love to hear from you. Awesome. Yeah, everybody, you know, these, uh, these links will be, as always, here in the description. Uh, wherever you're finding it, you can check it out there as well. Um, so, yeah, Anthony, dude, I appreciate it, man. Um, thanks, everybody, for listening. And thank you, Anthony, for joining me today, dude. Super insightful, a lot of great stuff, uh, especially about entrepreneurship, cannabis, uh, content marketing, all the fun stuff. Um, so, yeah, good luck to you and the rest of 2020 and beyond. Thank you, man. I appreciate you and everything that you're doing. Keep keep crushing it, brother. Keep crushing it. I can't, thanks, brother. Appreciate can't wait it. to come out to Tel you and, and visit you either. Awesome, brother. Only good things. Thanks. Thanks for listening to Dank Discussions. We are so grateful for each and every one of you. Please make sure you subscribe and leave a review. We want to continue making dank content you want to hear, so give us some feedback about the topics you want covered. Feel free to reach out to us at grow at calican.com. That's G-R-O-W at C-A-L-A-C-A-N-N dot com. And follow us on Instagram and Twitter for our latest updates.